Welcome to Disciple City Church Podcast. My name is Jerry Wagner, founder and lead pastor of Disciple City Church in Dallas, Texas. Thank you for tuning in. Our desire is to unleash a family of healthy disciple makers in Dallas to reach the world. God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can listen to new messages each week. Thank you and have a God-filled day. Can y'all do me a favor? Just Can y'all just clap for Miss Denise? Clap it up for the English teacher. Yeah, that is doctor. You're right. That is Dr. Denise Patton. Put some respect on her name. In putting some respect on her name, can anybody give a hallelujah this morning? For Dr. Denise, thank you. Goodness. Uh, the reading of the scripture for me on weeks when I'm preaching is my favorite moment. Because I've been with this passage and now someone else is reading it to me and I'm like, man, it's just so good. You hear things, you see things. Anyways, speaking of see things, have any of you ever seen those like transformation type shows, those shows where people are doing something for someone? I, I need some interaction here. I need some help. What show comes to mind when I mention that? And maybe somebody mentioning it will help you jog your memory. What show comes to mind? Pimp My Ride. Exhibit has made his way into our midst in Jesus' name. What else? Extreme Home Makeover comes to mind. Is that the move that bus? And everybody screams, ah, this is my house. Ah. Okay. That was, ter- that was a terrible scream. Anyways, what else? Are there any other shows that come to mind for you? Dang it, Pastor Jerry. You are in my pocket. Undercover Boss. Have you seen this show? This is a different type of transformation show. Usually, you know, the expert comes to you and gives you some sort of a transformation. But in this show, the, the expert, the boss, goes through a transformation. They have these terrible, like, disguises, you know? Have you noticed this? They look the exact same, or they just look corny, right? Just so dorky. Uh, I always look dorky, so it feels nice to welcome someone into that place. But uh, if you haven't seen it, a CEO or someone in executive position will come and work like an entry-level position in the company, something like that. And they will participate in the work. They will see how a specific maybe store is doing or franchise is doing. And they'll see the types of people in the company who maybe aren't putting in the right, let's say, posture, right? Maybe they're not working as hard or they're not bringing the right energy, something like that. And there's this part of us as Westerners, as Americans who have this punitive justice within us and we're like, get them, boss, you know? And they will fire them. They will cut them off. And you're like, that's right. Tell them like it is. And then we'll go to work the next Monday, like clock in and just sit at the desk or whatever, you know, like flip the thing, like, oh, well, whatever. No, I'm playing. But there's this bigger part of us, this part of us that transcends that that identifies with this show more. And I'll give you an example of it. There was this specific CEO of a company that did like mold management, if you will. There was a lead tech named Barry, say Barry. Put some respect on Barry's name. Barry was a tech that would go underneath crawl spaces and he would treat from mold. He had all of his gear, but he treated all of the people that he was working for like it was his own house. 
boss comes up and he treats him like a normal guy. He's a new guy on the job and he's treating him with respect, giving him dignity, and showing him how to do all the things, telling him some of his story. Yeah, man, my fiance and I were trying to get married this summer, trying to save a little money. We got a kid we're trying to take care of. CEO's hearing all of this, you know, getting moved, but trying to be subtle about it. And he's asking him, what do you want to do someday, man? Is this what you want to do all the time? And he's like, I want to be right where I am. I want to stay in this business. I believe in this. I know I'm making a difference. I'm helping people. (sighs) You can see it coming. Barry pulls up to the CEO's office and is like, you're not who you said you were, Dusty. You look Dusty. Anyway, that's not what he said. Not what he said at all. Uh, But the CEO says, Barry, a bunch of nice things. He says, I want to front you 10K, bonus, do whatever you want with it, 10K on the spot, Barry crying, you know? This is going to help with the wedding, this is going to help with the baby, this is going to help so much. And if it stopped there, you'd be like, okay, cool, cool enough, I guess. The CEO does something that I feel like goes far and above any of the other stuff that I've seen. It's not just a promotion, the CEO says, I don't want to compete with you. You said you want to stay in this industry. I don't want to compete with you. I want to give you a franchise. I'm going to give you your equipment. I'm going to give you people. I'm going to give you training. It's probably like 100K, but I want us to build together. I don't want to compete. This CEO came down to where Barry was and then brought Barry up to where he was with him. That is such good news. And there's something in us As humans, there's this visceral response, you know, Barry's weeping, the CEO's weeping, you recognize you're weeping, you know, where you're watching. There's just something visceral that happens in us that responds to that. And I think, I think it's not so much what Barry is getting, it's that Barry was seen. This CEO saw Barry went underneath the crawl space. I'm talking got down, 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 spraying, wiping down all the mold. Some of y'all can't even see me. That's how low the CEO got. He saw Barry. He heard about his family. He saw Barry. He saw his future. He saw Barry. He went into partnership with him. He saw him. And we identify with that. We also want to be seen in those same ways And it goes even beyond wanting to be seen by others. We want to be seen by God. And it's so funny how when we are seen by others, we feel the the, uh, G-A-Z-E, the gaze of God, that he sees us, that he's watching over us. But sometimes when we get missed, you know what I'm saying, when we're in the crawl spaces by ourselves, it can feel pretty lonely, right? Like we're being overlooked, like we've been forgotten, like we are hidden from God. And today, if you're feeling something like that, I have a hymn for you. And rather than ask a question, rather than have three points with alliteration, sorry, Cordell, I know you like that, I like it too, but I'm going a little bit different direction today. Today, I want to talk to you about a a hymn for the hidden Psalm 113 is a hymn for the hidden. If you feel overlooked, if you feel forgotten, if you feel down bad, my hope is that Psalm 113 would be an encouragement to you and an encouragement to your faith. That God is 
like the CEO who comes down into the crawl space and brings you up with him. So if you missed it, Psalm 113, once again, there is a real book in front of you, the English student wants to remind you. (laughs) There is a real Bible. And we're continuing in the Bless the Lord series. Uh, In the summer, we typically do wisdom literature, Psalms, Proverbs, the like. So we've been in the Psalms, we're continuing Bless the Lord, and this year we have been becoming a family of healthy disciple makers who are reproducing followers of Jesus. We were in Mark, now we're in Psalms, and the idea is that these Psalms would encourage us that God's character would satisfy us into singing and that would fuel us while we are on mission. That we don't just have a duty, we're not just white-knuckling our way through it, but that God satisfies us. We overflow with song, and we sing while we are on mission with Him. So, again, we have here a hymn for the hidden. There's a call to worship. It starts with a call to worship, and then there are reasons why God is worth praising. But it starts with a call to worship. This hymn starts with a call to worship. Look at the very top, verse 1, the first word, it says, hallelujah. Say hallelujah. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. There are four different times when this, um, this say hallel. That's the way I'm going to say it. I don't know if that's the way it's said, but that's the way I'm going to say it. Hallel. It's a word for praise. I'm going to talk about it a little bit, but it happens four different times here. I could say five, but it happens four times. It's Hallelujah, give praise, praise, and then at the very bottom of verse 9, very bottom of the psalm, hallelujah again, all right? You could also say in verse 3, let the name of the Lord be praised, but the point I'm trying to make is the author, the psalmist, right from the jump is saying praise, praise, praise. Are you tracking with me? It's loud. It's just like when we come up here, Savannah did it today, we come up here and we say, stand up with me, let's say this, I was glad when they said unto me, Psalm 122, it's a call to worship, it's a psalm of ascent, it's going up to the gathering in order to gather together, it's a call to worship, and here the psalmist is saying, get up, praise with me. He's worth being praised. Praise with me. Praise with me. That is what the psalmist is saying. To the point that it's even these bookends. It's the first word and the last word. An inclusio. Which is, what does that even matter, that word? But it's a literary device uh, putting an end on both sides and saying, this is what it's about. Today we praise. And this wasn't just a thing for Israel. This was true of Israel's neighbors, too. This Hallel word had similar words in the languages around there, and they would all mean something like praise or admiring something in someone, a praiseworthy thing about another person. Could also be used in like a festival, like a wedding song. It could be cheering, shouting. It was used in connection to dancing. So tell me, from all of that, do you think this is a low-energy word or a high-energy word? Very high-energy word. Everybody put your hand up like this and say, high-energy. We're going to be high-energy today. I'm sleepy, so I'm going to preach myself into some energy, and y'all coming with me, all right? But it is high-energy. It is full-bodied. So from the jump, this is a high-energy psalm. You tracking? Okay, cool. But who's it for? 
Who is invited into this praise? It says in verse 1, give praise, servants of the Lord. It's servants. And you might be saying, well, I don't really know if I would categorize myself as servant of the Lord. So maybe that's not me. But I would argue this is for all of Israel. This is for all of the people of God gathered together. I don't know if you knew this. Israel was supposed to be a very welcoming people, bringing in anybody and everybody who wanted to fear their God. So this is anyone and everyone, whether they had a role and a responsibility in the gathering or their role and responsibility was sibling. It didn't matter who you were. Anybody and everybody can catch this serving work. But I'm going to add to that in a little bit to really make the argument. As it goes down, verse 2, let the name of the Lord be blessed, both, say that, both now and forever, right? That's a, uh, like a merism or a merism, take your pick wherever you're from, but it's right now into forever. So that means whether it's now or it's then, it's anything in between that we always praise in God. From now on, forever and ever and ever, right? That's what he's saying here. And he doubles down, the psalmist doubles down, he, she, they double down, say, from the rising of the sun to its setting. We sang that just a second ago. From the rising of the sun to its setting. So it could be from sun up to sundown, right? It could be temporal. It could be all day long we praise. But it could also be, like Waldo talked about last week, could be more spatial, right? From the east to the west. Take your pick. It could be both. It almost doesn't matter. The idea is that everything the light touches, right? Like Mufasa says, everything the light touches, wherever you are, anyone and everyone, all of the time is called to praise. Are you heeding that call? Are you marked by praise? And remember, this is high energy praise, this is a full-bodied praise. Now, this doesn't mean that when we come into the gathering, we give all of our energy, and then we just, like, deflate afterward. The idea is that this is all the time, right? Now, that doesn't mean you got to be uh, <laughs> like the puppy from Up, right? Like, oh, oh, hey, hey, I'm happy. It doesn't mean you have to be fake or whatever. The idea is that when we sing ourselves into a little spell, right, when we praise ourselves into a little moment, that God is worth that high energy. This is a specific moment calling us to give all of ourselves all of the time to God. It doesn't mean that we are like a jukebox and you push a button and get whatever worship song you want out of us, right? It's beyond that. It is a deep high energy surrender and yielding to God. And you might be wondering, what, what gives? Why such big praise? What, what is the reasoning for that? Well, it's a hymn for the hidden, but it's a hymn to the Most High. The big praise is because this is a big God. You look at verse, well, you kind of read throughout and you see uh, Yahweh's name. Notice, let me see, it does say that. Okay, you see how it says the Lord in all caps? you can know that in Hebrew, that is Yahweh, all right? Maybe you have a different translation, but if you're reading CSB and you see the Lord in all caps, that's a specific name for God. And six different times in this very chapter, give praise servants of the Lord, praise the name of the Lord, let the name of the Lord be blessed. Do you see? Six different times all the way throughout and, and when it says hallelujah, Yah, hallelujah, 
That's a shortened version. So you could even say it's eight different times that his name is called on. The reason that they're calling on this very specific name, I'm going to get to, so put it in your pocket. But they call on Yahweh, their covenant-making, covenant-keeping God, the one who revealed himself to Moses in the wilderness, I am who I am, or he is who he is. This is the one that they remember delivered them from Egypt. This is the one who brought them out. This is the one, as Exodus 2.24 says, heard their cries, remembered the covenant with Abraham, and then in verse 25 it says, God saw and God knew. You are never, no matter where you are, no matter how down bad you might be, you are never too far for God to see you, to hear you, to remember, and to know. You are never out of his reach. You are never too far. I'm going to make that case over and over again. And it says the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord. Three different times it says that. It's not just calling him by his Yahweh name. It's also saying praise his name, which means praise all of him. Praise all that he has revealed himself to be and praise all of what he's done for us. Give praise to him and he can be trusted. If this is the same God who brought us out of Egypt, who delivered us from Pharaoh, who took us through the wilderness, who gave, gave us the land that we're in, he might just be trustworthy. Where were we before he brought us out? He can be trusted. That's why they call on him. But it goes, it goes beyond that. The psalmist is just laying it on thick. Another little bracket bit in verse 4, it says, The Lord is exalted. Say exalted. The Lord is exalted. And then later it says, The one enthroned on high in verse 5. Let's talk about exalted first. He is exalted above all the nations. Do you see that? Above all the peoples of the earth. So that must mean something. He's over all of the people. And then he's over, look in verse 4, his glory is above the heavens. He's not just over all of the people. He's not just over all of the earth. He's over all of what's over all of the Old Testament cosmology, all of the, the any other gods, any other things. He's over everything. He is the one. That's why the psalmist in verse 5 says, who is like the Lord our God? He's incomparable. There is no one else like him. That is a common uh, phrase throughout the Old Testament. There's no one else like him. No one compares to him. No one is as strong as he is. He's exalted and he's enthroned. The one who is enthroned on high. He is the king of the world. He is sovereign. He is strong. He's in control. That is what the psalmist wants them to see. And so I asked the question, why is this such a big praise? Because it's such a big God. The praise fits the glory. Are you tracking with me? And it's not just in Israel. This is everyone and anyone. I said it's not just those who identify as servants. It's that anyone all over the world could at any point submit to this king who is over the nations, over the heavens, over everything. I told you all I'm going to take you with me. You're going to get excited at some point. We're going to do this together, okay? We're going to get there together. 
if we were this high on the king, would we be this low in our praise? If we were this high, if we were this high on him, if we recognized how high he was, how big he was, how strong he was, how enthroned he was, do you think our praise might leave the floor just a little bit? We'd come out of that crawl space better. We'd be in the crawl space praising. Whether we are up high or down low, he is high. He is enthroned. He is king. So that means for us, he's not just like another market item. You know what I'm saying? It's not just like going to the store and picking between like Fruit Loops and Tricks. All right? Anybody still eat the best cereals in the world out here? No? No? We moved on to like Raisin Bran. (laughs) Everybody say metabolism. I'm just kidding. But he's not just another God to pick off the shelf. Are you tracking with me? No one compares. But if we acknowledge that, if we can agree with that statement, is that embodied? Somebody cuts you, you bleed in that? And not just for you personally, but think about when you consider talking to, who was, who was, what was the guy's name, Beta? Do you remember Beta so long ago? What was the guy at work? He knew a guy at work during the Marxist. It don't matter. <laughs> you remember? I forgot. It was some, somebody. Uh, well, I'll go back and think about it. But think about the person at work. When you consider, or your neighbor, when you consider, man, I might need to talk to them about Jesus. And then you get in there and you do the double dutch. And you're like, oh, no, man. If he's the most high, then I have no need to fear. He's worth praise. Whether they acknowledge that worth now or they acknowledge it later, my boldness, my ability to share should be based on how high he is, not how low they might think about him. And you know what? Just because you ain't never had it, they might love him. They might be like, oh, you know Jesus, me too. He's king. Why haven't we talked about this? You'd be like, well, because you see, I got a little uh, nervous. Anyways, now I'm playing. The goal isn't shame, it's talking through it so that we can grow together. We're growing together. And you might be saying something like, but Ryan, look, I see what the passage is saying, but in my life right now, I'm not feeling so high on him because I don't feel like he's feeling real high on me right now. I'm not seeing God seeing me. I'm not experiencing the things that the passage is talking about. So it's kind of hard for me to experience this high-energy, full-bodied, excited praise. It's hard for me to consider this fully yieldedness when I feel like he's not fully seeing me. But I skipped this, this verse 6 on purpose <laughs> because it's, it's awesome. Look at verse 6. The Most High stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth. And if you're feeling like you're low right now, he bends down. He gets on hands and knees. He'll crawl with you. You might be saying, I I mean, I hear you, but like how low will he go? Well, this is a hymn for the hidden. If you feel like he sits too high, You need to remember that our God sits high and looks low. This is a hymn for the hidden. He's looking on the earth. Look at verse 7. Look how low he's looking. He raises the poor from the dust. The very dust that he created, 
he is not too far above to come down and get dirty in. Not just the dust, though. The trash heap. He lifts the needy from the trash heap. It's not just low, like, uh, height. I don't know. I'm trying to think of the right word. It's not just low in height. It's low in, like, status. How many of us have gone dumpster diving in the last, I don't know, week? Somebody's like, I mean, me. I'm like, cool, great, do your thing. I'm not saying that that's bad necessarily, but there's not many of us who are jumping in the trash heap on the regular. And yet our God goes looking for those who've found themselves in the trash heap. How low does he look? How low can you go? <laughs> that was terrible. I should, I should not have let that. <laughs> now I just have me doing the limbo in my head. And I'm like, don't do it. Stop. There's no coming back from that. In Jesus' name. So these are the places that he goes looking. And who does he find there? He finds the poor, which interestingly is not like the economic poor. It's like those who are needy, who are helpless, who are insignificant. He also finds the needy, who are the socioeconomic poor. He also finds the childless woman who gets put out of the house because she is not doing what their society thought this woman should be doing. So for those who feel in here overlooked, forgotten, abandoned, you are the target audience for God. He's not worried about his revenue. He's worried about redemption, and he sees you. And that's who he is coming for. That's who he sees, and that's who he invites to join him in serving. If you feel low, if you feel forgotten, if you feel overlooked, if you feel hidden, that's exactly where God wants to be, and he sees you. You can hold out for him. Have you felt seen lately? Has there been something recently where God has communicated that he sees you to you? You might be saying, it hasn't been that recent. Have you ever experienced a moment when God has convinced you that you have been seen by him? You might be saying, well, not so much. I don't know. Let's talk about that. But for those who have felt seen, my question for you is, who are you serving? That's the idea. You are seen by him, and he welcomes you in to join the team. We now do this thing together. So who are you serving? Are you with him? Are you following him? And you might be asking, how do I know if I'm really serving him? Well, notice what God is looking for. Where is God looking, and who is God finding? Based on this passage, and then ask yourself the question, what am I looking for? Who am I finding? See, I wonder if we have gotten so caught up in the ideals of like the American dream that what we are looking for is just the next seat up. You know, that everything is trending up and to the right, that everything is moving in a way that's successful. I wonder if we've been so caught up culturally that we've maybe missed the kingdom and we're just going after what everybody else is chasing. Now, in us, you probably feel like, but Ryan, it's not bad for me to, you're right. But what, what could be bad is if you've gotten lost in the rat race and you're not following after the lifted up one who's lifting up others. 
If you are not going with him in that endeavor, are you really going with him? If there's no margin, if there's no mission, if there's no values here, are you with this God who has provided us with a hymn for the hidden? Here's what I see here that is so good, so, 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 so good. In verse 7, it says he raises the poor, the idea of he causes them to get up, but even better, and lifts the needy. Say lifts. <laughs> so he doesn't just see you. He lifts you. And lifts, the word here lifts, is the same word as exalted in verse 4. The one who is exalted, the one who is lifted up, is the one who lifts up. Are you tracking with me? It goes on. Oh, but before it goes on, look, 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 look. Notice that it doesn't say, they raised themselves up. They did it themselves. Man, look at their bootstraps. They pulled them off. They were pulling themselves up too hard. Notice who gets the credit here. Do you recognize this? Listen, if you have a master class, don't miss the most high in your master class because anywhere that we've gotten is because of him. Are you tracking with me? He has lifted us. And so give credit where it's due, all right? And then in 8, in verse 8, it says, in order to seat them. In verse 9, it says, he gives. Now, I don't know about you, but seat and gives don't look nothing alike in English. But in Hebrew, that's the same word. Seat and gives are the same word. And you know where I'm going with this, right? This is the same word for enthroned in verse 5. So the one who is seated far above everything and everyone is able to seat you at whatever table and whatever place. He's the one who seats. He's the one who gives. Are you tracking with me? The lifted up one lifts up. The one who is seated above everything else can get you to a different seat. Are you tracking with me? That's what's said about this God in this passage. And it's so slick. This word isn't just like, and this is not shade, it's not like make a wish, which is a great thing, and I'm a, I'm a fan of it. I just want to use it as an example. Make a wish will give you like a vacation, give you like a trip, right? You can taste something for a minute and then go right back to where you were. This word is seating you where you can inhabit a place, where you can dwell in a place, where you can stay in a place. Do you, do you, are you tracking with me? We see something like this happen in varying degrees in like Moses, or Rahab, or Ruth, or David, or Mephibosheth. If you don't know, you need to go study Mephibosheth if you don't know about him. Or uh, Esther, or, 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 or I could give so many lists of these people where we've seen this happen in the scriptures, and I bet I could name drop in here for some people who the one who's seated far above anything and everything else has given us a seat with him. Is there anybody in this place who has a seat at his table? And we have the opportunity to serve this king by lifting up praise to him and by lifting up the overlooked with him. 
Now, what I'm not talking about is like toxic charity or a Messiah complex. I am white now. This does not wipe off in the shower. I take this with me everywhere I go. So hearing someone who is white talk about giving and helping and these things, I recognize that we could get into those types of conversations. What I'm talking about is our God is doing this. What does it look like to go with him? Are you tracking with me? This is systems and this is me, right? This is fix some processes. That's, pol- that's politics. Fix some processes, but it's also I need to be practicing this personally. Is there anybody who wants to follow and serve this king by lifting up praise to him and by lifting up the overlooked with him? That is the invitation here. Look, the early church, this is historic. The early church was known when everybody would leave pandemic-type environments, and I'm not trying to talk politics. I'm just saying this what the early church did, all right? When you would have people run away from disease and sickness, do you know who ran in? Christians. Where do you think all the hospitals came from? Christians. Do you know when babies were left and abandoned? Do you know where they found shelter, where they found family? It was the church. The poor used to be seen and taken care of by the church. Are they still? Are we participating? Remember, it's a poke and a prod for us to go forward, for us to be with him, not for us to feel all down on ourselves. That, we ain't doing none of that. We got Jesus. Speaking of, speaking of, you might be saying, Ryan, I'm not seeing this. I'm not seeing it in my life. I see all these examples in culture where I'm not seeing it. Me too. Look, some things, this is wisdom literature. This tells us what characterizes God. Not a vending machine God where you punch the right buttons and the same thing comes out every time. You track it with me? My brother is incarcerated and will be for the rest of time. There is, I, look, I'll ask God for a miracle and then I'll hold on to him regardless because I, I just don't think it's going to happen. I bring that up because some, some things you just got to walk with a limp in life. And you have to recognize what this looks like in context. It doesn't always look like how we think it should because the last time I checked, Jesus went to prison with my brother and is seeing those who are overlooked in ways that could not have happened unless he was there. I don't celebrate what he did. I don't celebrate how he got there, but I celebrate the fact that my God is able to do far more than I could ever imagine because he sits far higher than I could ever imagine and he's so much stronger, so much kinder, so much better, and some of us know that in this place today. There are in the Psalms three different Hallel sections. This is a Hallel Psalm. This section, Psalm 113 to Psalm 118, is the Egyptian Hallel, all right? The Egyptian Hallel. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, I don't know, man. You had me, and now I don't know where we are. I'm going to get to a point. This was a, uh, like a liturgical section of the scriptures for Israel. They would, before the Passover, they would sing Psalm 113 and Psalm 114. After Passover, they would sing Psalm 115 to Psalm 118. Some of y'all, I just put you on for all week. Go and study that if you want to. All week. Take that. 
But something that I think is incredible about this is that they sang this, this very psalm, in anticipation and commemoration and celebration every single Passover. Do you know who sang this psalm? Jesus sang this psalm. When we talk about the upper room and they observe Passover and he introduces communion, the way that we observe it, right, that his body, his blood, there's a bunch there that you could study, but then it says they went out to the Mount of Olives, I think is where they go, the Olivet, and they, they sing a hymn, Psalm 115 to 118. Jesus knew this psalm well, and Jesus embodied this psalm. He fulfilled this psalm. Look, when Jesus was, uh, I don't know, when he was in the womb, his mother sang her Magnificat. You can find that in the beginning of Luke. And in that, she echoes Hannah's song from 1 Samuel 2, and she echoes this very psalm, saying some of the same themes because she knew her God and she knew what he was about, that he lifts up the lowly, that he overturns the powerful. She had a very Old Testament justice mindset, and that mother raised her son with that very theology. Are you tracking with me? Jesus had a mother that raised him to know God. That's an incredible thing. And then from there, Jesus, I don't know, maybe got accused of being a drunkard and a glutton. He probably had Garth Brooks all up in his body singing, I got friends in low play. The people who come from where I come from, you was tracking with that. Other folks are like, who? Huh? Uh-uh. We ain't doing none of that. That's fine. But he was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. There were women who would come around and people who were uppity would say like, oh, if Jesus knew what type of woman that was, then he wouldn't let them around. That's the type of people Jesus was after. That was his very target audience. Every time that he could, he was going to the overlooked. Every chance that he got, he was trying to go to low places. He hung out in the trash heap. Jesus wanted to lift up those who had been overlooked because he is the one who was lifted up. And praise be to God that there was one who was in the dust. Genesis 3, 14. Are you tracking with me? The serpent is in the dust and we were afflicted by him and yet someone crushed his head to deliver us from the dust are you tracking with me this we were down bad we were afflicted we were dead in our trespasses and sins and then it says that we were lifted up that we were seated with him in heavenly places is there anybody in here who would say that they've been delivered that they know this king that they've been lifted up and now they want to lift up praise to him Let's get out. I think we need to praise. This is the hymn for the hidden. So I want to invite you. If you're feeling a little sleepy in your soul, sing yourself into a spell. If you're feeling tired, if you're feeling hidden, if you're feeling forgotten, turn to a sibling and ask for some insight. Ask for some prayer. Come down here. There are people who are praying. There's truth to be sung now and sing it full-bodied, fully yielded, sing. Sing yourself into a spell. And if you're like, Ryan, I'm just not in that place, then don't be. Be in your place. That's okay. Because he sees you. Wherever you are, whatever's going on, you don't have to put on for him. You don't have to fake it for him. He sees you as you are. He loves you as you are. 
And I'm so grateful for Jesus, man. So let's sing because he's won our victory, right? Amen. Let's sing. Thank you again for listening to the Disciple City Church Podcast. Until we meet again, shalom.